Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, we're going to do some playing, thinking, doing board games. And Ian. Is it? Okay. Uh, We're going to talk about our favorite worker placement games and why we like worker placement. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into what have you been playing, doing, and thinking board games. And uh, I'm going to start this one off. Um, Just because we've been watching a lot of Disney Plus and a lot lot of Disney Plus is a lot of National Geographic. And what do you do when you're a nerdy high school history social studies teacher? You watch all the cool Egypt stuff that's on. And so what that did is that kickstarted my my re-energized interest in Valley of the Kings. And I have the premium premium edition. And this is uh, designed by Tom. Yes, we did a we did a uh, a math trade in the math room at school. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And this is designed by Tom Cleaver, uh, published by AEG. Uh, This is. Again, with the cards, deck building, okay? Um, It's a deck building game. It's uh, Egyptian, uh, ancient Egypt, all the way down to every tiny element you can think of. The cards are brilliant without getting into all these, you know, explanation of the game, but it's basically all the awesome things of ancient Egypt in a deck building game where the same systems is your deck, your, your cards are multi-purpose. They're either um, of gold value or they're of an event, trigger an event thing. Um, and what your market is in this case is your market is a pyramid. And you could take from the bottom row, it's a three stack pyramid, three on the bottom, two, and then one on the top. And you can only take from the bottom row. But the, the interesting thing is that you can manipulate how the cards refresh into that market by the way they say how the pyramid crumbles right and the cards fall down kind of like like a uh the crazy disc game the plinko game kind of thing right um the 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 thing i love about this game is it's a deck deconstruction game where it's valley of the kings right valley of the kings if you know your history that's where all the tombs are that's where all the pharaohs have been put to rest 
So you have to score points by entombing your card. So on every turn, you have the opportunity at the end of your turn to put one card in a tomb to score at the end of the game. And the scoring is very similar to all of the other kind of set collection games where uh, if you have, you know, your straight points and then you have your multipliers, if you have one of a certain set, two of a certain set, three, four, and so on, that the card multipliers will increase. Um, it is, I mean, again, even the solo plays are super interesting. I've played this a couple times with, uh, with two, three, and four players. Uh, it scales so wonderfully. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, I love my deck building. I love my card games. This one uh, has definitely um, held its ground in my collection. So, yeah, Valley of the Kings. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, I've always enjoyed the games that we've played of this. Yeah. I've not played this one, but I've played Valley of the Pharaohs, which has a cloth board. That's about all I remember about it. Now I'm just thinking Steve Martin's Saturday Night Live stuff. I'm, I'm all off <laughs> on a tangent. <laughs> there you go. Cool. So yeah, Valley of the Kings. Now, do we want to do some news or do we want to hear some 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 Kickstarter? I'll jump in. Joy. Give us some Kickstarter want- joy. The mailman made you happy. Sure. So we only just started this just the other day and uh, we managed to get um, my copy of Sleeping Gods by Red Raven Games and Ryan Lockett in just quite recently. I did an unboxing video on our YouTube channel of all of the lovely stuff that's inside that box. And so we started into the gameplay and oh my gosh, is this game great. Mm, I've been following on Twitter. Yeah. Now I haven't played any of the other Red Raven game, Ryan Lockett. Like I haven't played above and below. I haven't played near and far of those. Empires of the Void 2. Yeah. Yeah. But I have I haven't played any of his narrative games. But this one seemed to intrigue me of how of an open world that there is. Um, so what you're really what you're doing in this game is that you are the crew of this um, ship called the Manticore. And you have been now stranded amongst this mysterious in, in this kind of like this mysterious world. Um, these gods have summoned you into this world and are asking you to complete some tasks in order for them to send you back on your back on your journey. So what you have cool. to do is you have to create, you have to find these, I believe they refer to them as totems. And so over the course of the campaign, you are trying to find these totems only with sometimes you get some vague descriptions of where a totem might be located. And so what you get are these quest cards and they'll just kind of give you some flavor text mm-hmm. and you're going to have to try to interpret that text and say, okay, let's just go on our voyage. And I'll have to admit this game is extremely brutal. Oh, good. Like, like so you're going to have a crew. So we're playing at two players. So Jen's, controlling four characters i'm controlling four characters so we have four yeah. characters each and plus there's a captain that's shared between the two and what you're going to be doing is you're going to be and every character has their attributes and you're going to be doing these skill checks quite oftentimes where it's going to say hey you need to pass a strength test and so there's going to be some characters that have strength icons and you can use them there now if they have to perform the task they're going to gain fatigue Mm-hmm. If they gain enough fatigue, then they cannot participate anymore because they're too tired. Yeah. Very similar yeah. mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I, and I like that. And so then there's all the other things that you have on board. Like you have a chef on board that has prepared some recipes 
And so if you have collected enough resources, like food resources, you can use the recipe to get your strength back. Cool. Take, take down the fatigue, heal some health. And it has a really unique combat mechanism. Like you're now, you're going to be in, in, um, going about this savage land. Like I'm just going to say, um, spoiler alert right now. Okay, we're, we're good here. <laughs> we just got absolutely... <laughs> Our session ended last night. We got absolutely mauled to death by velociraptors. <laughs> That's not much of a spoiler. Just saying, okay, you're going to get beat up by a baddie. <laughs> but cool. again, we're, we're, we're quite early into the game. But also, I kind of realized, I think we may have turken, taken a, um, a round turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> so I don't think we're actually supposed to be on this part of the map just yet. <laughs> oh, geez. You, you advanced, you did a ladder climb too fast. Yeah, the, the, the raptors were quite um, advanced in their skills and we have, were not equipped to deal with them. Are you getting the sense that this is kind of like an RPG interpreted Red Raven style? You could definitely role play this uh, as, 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 much as, you, as much as you wanted. Um, the skills are very um, thematic. Because it's very the, character narrative driven. I love it. Like my chef... His starter weapon is the frying pan. Yeah. Like, like I was he's, say, he's walking, he's walking around the islands. He's uh, walking around the island right now with a frying pan until I get, find <laughs> him a better weapon before, before I find him a better weapon. Nice. Ain't nothing better than a big cool. chunk of cast iron. And it's that very um, choose your own adventure type of book where you yeah. start a passage. It says, hey, if you have this, go to this verse or flip to this page and stuff See, like that i i have near and far and i have isle bound and it i'm sensing a little bit of both because that exhaustion thing that you spoke about he uses that in isle bound right okay yeah no that's very cool that, no i thought that was just, and you have these what they call um command tokens and every action that you take in throughout the course of the game requires these command tokens yeah and so if you want to do anything um and you don't have those command you can't you just can't you're, you're, you're too exhausted or you're too um, spread thin mm -hmm. uh, of, of doing all your commands. You have to take actions in order to reclaim those um, um, back. But I'm finding it, 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 so it's, it's brutal. It's extremely thematic. I'm having nice. a blast with it. Um, can't wait to explore it more. I'm pretty sure that our campaign is going to come to an end really soon. It, it's kind of timed. You have this event deck. Yeah. And it's um, 18 cards um, large. And once you go through the deck once, some sort of really big event's going to happen. And then you're going to create another event deck that's 18 cards. And once you get through that one again, something really epic's going to happen. And then if you go through the deck a third time, that's the end of your campaign. Oh. Whether or not you've whether or not you've completed yeah, yeah. all you found all the, your, your required totems so the timer, so it's your tire. So you take that; it's eighteen times three number of turns you're going to mm -hmm. have to end up taking throughout this throughout this game, and and then that that that's your timer. And there is this this world like if you take a look at the it has an oh, atlas. He, he's this world awesome is artist. so no well not just it was, yeah it's beautiful looking, it's so vast it's very very large. Cool. We are not going to explore that entire world in one playthrough. Cool. Not even close. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it has an achievement. It's got like a video game thing where it's got the achievement page. So they, which totems did you collect on your 
on your journey. Hey, look at this achievement list. There's like 50 totems that you can find <laughs> throughout the course of this game. There's like 18-bit music in my head right now. Ding, ding, do, 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 do. Right on. So you're happy with it so far? Yeah. Cool. And from what uh, now, I don't. I, now I'm kind of intrigued to try those other ones, but maybe I'm not because I've heard that this one just kind of takes those other aspects of like above and below, near and far, and he's just kind of like perfected that system in 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 in, in this game. That'd be interesting to deduce because I think all of these games are rock solid on their own too, right? Yeah. So he might have just he might have just done a greatest hits interpretation, right? That that's very well could be because a lot of people yeah. are saying, and I'm just following what's been happening on Twitter. And oh yeah, on yeah, Because yeah. I've got like, these titles. If you want to borrow them and you do your own kind of cross comparison, by all means, by all means. So is this a is this a segue to the uh, to the sound effects time that we get to do for Ian? Are you ready? This time, breaking news. <laughs> okay, so I've got a couple news items that uh, stood out to me. The first one, I think both of you will be interested in. Well, maybe not, but we're getting a second edition of Great Western Trail that was announced. Yeah. And so they're updating the artwork, and which is good because everybody <laughs> makes fun of that box. So. <laughs> no, nobody makes fun of that one. Anybody who loves Hansen Teutonica knows what I'm saying. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was announced that they're going to <laughs> they're going to make a reprint here uh, coming out pretty soon they're calling it the second edition i don't it, there's not a whole lot of details but they say they are updating not just the box art but the art in the game as well so that'll mm -hmm. be interesting to see what that looks like the box art i've, I've seen it it's it's very <clears throat> kind of sergio leone kind yeah. of letterbox spaghetti western yeah yes it looks very yeah very moot western movie like so i really like the new box in addition to this they are also planning on um coming out with a new edition of the expansion which ryan i believe you did not care for correct initial play did not care for it haven't touched it since okay oh, yeah. you gotta try gotta give it a second chance but they're also coming out with two sequel yeah. games in the next coming years and so they're coming out with Great Western Trail, Argentina, and New Zealand. So it's going global. And the 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 the, the animal stock is different, I believe. In the games, I think in New Zealand it's sheep. That would make sense. Yep. And in uh, <laughs> the Argentinian one, I believe it's a different breed of animal. I can't remember. I'm just kind of trying to go off my visual memory. Well, there's a cow in the box, so I don't know. About yeah. That. Okay. Uh, but it, yeah. there's not a lot of details about them, but it looks like they are going to be changing some ideas. Like it looks like Alexander Fister is going to kind of mess around with the game a little bit in the sequels with, but still keeping some of the core ideas as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't so. think you're going to get many arguments out of all of us. Cause I think we're all huge Fister fans. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Great Western Trail. Like, I really enjoyed the, the the gameplay. I didn't really have any qualms about the art. I'm not like that. <laughs> Whoa, somebody feels like there's a finger pointed at him. Oh. Well, well, no, okay, okay, okay. Because <laughs> here, get me here. I have no qualms about it. I really enjoyed the art of the original one. Now you're going to say you're going to come up with a second edition updated art, and you're going to come up with two sequels that 
are not going to be the same art or thing on my shelf if I have decided to go. Do I have to go buy the second edition? Of no, the, you know, you don't. No. You don't. You can suppress so that, that need for collecting. You can suppress that. You can filter that need away. I understand that urge, Ryan. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Yeah, I, I mean, I really a, don't like it when when publishers do this. You can so have a book series on your shelf that just has book two and book four. You don't need book one and three. Uh, why is he doing this to us? Because he knows <laughs> he knows what it does to us. I know. He knows it. Pull that string. This, this Tug vein, on that string. This vein in between my eyes just kind of like popped forward. <laughs> but for someone like me who doesn't actually own Great Western Trail yet, I'm I'm interested. I'm going to take a look oh, at this. Oh, this will one. be your jumping in point. Yeah. And as long as they don't replace the wooden cowboy meeples with some stupid plastic crud, then um, then I'm good. As long as they keep the the wooden meeples in there, yeah, it'll be nice. So that's the first point part of news. The next part of news. Um, another game that I think we all like, I actually have no idea if Norm likes it or not. Root is coming out with a new expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's called the Marauder expansion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's inner child is ready to explode. Yeah, he's ready oh for this. I so want more Root. We got a couple new uh, factions here. And the first one is the Rats. Which looks like it's well, they're really called the Lord of the Hundreds. So it's like a rat warlord who's got a horde, and yeah, it looks kind of interesting. So that's definitely going to be very conflict based, I would imagine. And then the badgers, who are kind of like treasure hunters, is what I'm gathering, and they're kind of going around searching out things, which seems sort of similar to to the raccoon, yeah, right? yeah the to vagabond, the, to the vagabond. So I don't know how exactly it's going to be different, but there's lots of there's lots of stuff out there about them if you want to read further. And what else are they adding, Ryan? What am I forgetting? Oh, here? they're adding in, they're revamping and adding in a module that makes the two-player experience uh, a much more enjoy. I think a much more enjoyable game. They're kind of they're bringing in what they're called the minor factions. I believe that's what they're referring to them as. And so there, it's going to be some sort of mechanism that's going to enhance the two-player, which is what's got me like right now yeah. in this middle of event. I play a lot of two-player games with my yeah. wife. If this is a part that can get us into a, a two-player root experience, yeah. well, understanding, see, that was- understanding that this game is not going to come out for quite some time. The Kickstarter is going to only come out, like I think, next month or something that, like that. And that was my big obstacle settling into this game is that is – that, um, it's you got to teach it, you know. The, at least the base game, you have to teach it five times, right? Until until you get the right group of people, and we could never get that synergy. So, I just I think I moved it on. But I yeah, I totally dig this game. Absolutely, I think I think I've always referred to it as uh, as uh, Winnie the Pooh uh, and Guerrilla Warfare. Sort of. Yep. Now, Ian, so, are you going to get it? No, probably not, because it won't fit in the box. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, 
miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. We are going into the topic of interest, and it's it's March Mechanics. And we figured that we would uh, start featuring some of our favorite mechanics. And maybe we, this doesn't have to be a March thing. Maybe it can be a, you know, continued uh, little series. But we, how did we decide it? It was like, how were we going to do this? And we just thought, you know, let's just take turns picking one. So Ian had first turn. Ian, why don't you tell us what you picked? Uh, we're going to talk about worker placement today. Worker placement. So... Are you trying to fill time? Like a PBS show. <laughs> worker placement. If we look on the board behind yeah, me here, we can see the definition. So worker placement is, I guess I can give a definition. Hey? Let's give a on definition. The board behind us, if you look on cool. the overhead. So what we'll do is I'll give a definition and then we're going to, well, we're going to give our top five, we said. With some honorable I, mentions. Ryan doesn't, still doesn't know what his top five is. He's honorable. He's, he's I, got, I got two. I got two on the list right now. He, he's going on the fly. Oh. Norm is keeping his list secret. I'm still not quite sure how I want to structure mine because I think I want to do it a little differently. So you've got decoys. Anyway, you got decoys right. in the show notes, is what you're saying. All right. So we'll see how this goes. Well, how about we? How, how do you? How are you figuring? You want to? You want to do this? We're good definition, and then we'll do honorable mentions. Or how do you? What are you thinking? Uh, let's just jump into it. Let's All right. Let's get sure. into this list. So let's, this is what I came up with as my one sentence definition. Okay. So we'll see what you guys think. Worker placement is using more than one tokens or AKA workers to select from a shared pool of limited actions. That's what I came up with. Yeah. Now that, I, I am going to make that the caveat it. that I'm usually, I don't get too hung up on, semantics generally yeah yeah Yeah. but i i do understand that there's you know there's a value to yeah having a definition like this there's the people out there that says oh no worker placement's just action selection it's just a type of action selection so i'm like what so every game is just action selection no this one's you'll know a worker placement game based on what you said you have to take some place a token yeah you take something you place it somewhere and then you do something. Is that yeah. kind of like it? How it goes? Yeah. And sometimes so I do. I do think it's important that the action where you're placing them is shared by yeah. the rest of the players, and that it's not unlimited. Yeah. Right? You can. There's a limited amount of actions. I think. And then of fun. course some games throw in variations. If you're the first one there, you get a bonus, which includes, oh yeah, that's, yeah. the variations are yeah. where the interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's where the that's where the okay. So the, Ian. You, this is your thing. You start us off. Or you okay. you no. direct us, man. Well, <laughs> Ryan's like, I'm not on my list yet. Come on. It's like, well, Ryan's eager to start us off. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll start us off. I, I'm we say we say top five worker placement. I'm just my list is so fluid. I what I what I'm gonna do, I think, is I'm gonna have a definite top one. Yeah, I know what my favorite worker placement is, so I'm gonna leave that for the end. And what are the, the rest? I'm just kind of kind of do a progression, I think. Okay. Of, of interesting. There's flexibility the to the to the five through two. 
Right. So right. I'm going to start with my my personal introduction, which was Stone Age. Yeah. Which I think is a, a really good introductory game to this idea is yeah. Stone Age. I would say another one, good one would be Lords of Waterdeep, but I'm, I'm not that familiar with Lords of Waterdeep. Nope, you're, you're, you're bang on there. My, my introduction to um, worker placement was Lords of Waterdeep mm-hmm. in, 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 my, in my gaming progression. Yeah, so they, and they both seem like pretty good beginner games for this. Uh, Stone Age, the worker, the way the worker placement is set up is you can either go get specific things that help you throughout the game. So, for example, the Love Hut, the famous Stone Age Love Love Hut, where you have to send two workers and you get a third one back. So we'll just leave that to the imagination. You can go get tools, which can help your dice rolling, or you can send a certain a bunch of workers you can send like a whole bunch of workers up to seven in specific spots that can collect your resources for you and the way it works is however many workers you send that's how many dice you get to roll and then you roll the dice and calculate what you've got to figure out how many resources you get back cool i think stone age has a couple of key features that a lot of worker placement games try to incorporate somehow and that's a finding a way to get more workers which is the love shack (laughs) and uh also having kind of an out for when most of the spaces are taken up most worker placements games have like a specific spot that is where most of the spots are limited that one's an unlimited spot so that you can at least get something yeah. And in this case, it's the hunting grounds, right? You can always go get food so you can feed your, feed your workers. Feel safe, yeah. Where every, everybody can at least go do this. Yeah. Right. So I think it adds a lot of key features of these types of games and is a good introduction to it. Right on. So there you go. That's Stone Age. So that's kind of like so, your number five, or is that your, your honorable mention? Yeah, we'll put that as number five for now. It's okay. probably actually higher because I really do love that game. But I'll, I'll go next just to give Ryan some buffer time to get his list <laughs> dialed in. Um, You're working on it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quickly mention two um, uh, 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 honorable mentions because it was just crushing me because I love this this mechanism so much. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, my, my, uh, um, introduction or my explanation is going to be like in three parts because I always have to have a, a little kind of sticky format. So um, uh, the, the first one uh, honorable mention is uh, I'm going to read the flavor text uh, on the board game geek. Cause I just love it so much. And maybe you guys can guess it. So my first honorable mention is place worker dice strategically to build your authority and take over a dystopia. Euphoria. It's euphoria. Build a better dystopia. Uh, it takes that worker placement idea with a dice roll value to, and as Ian pointed out, where that helps you determine the 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 multiplier or the the chronology of your resource, um, but it also um, because this dystopic thing, and you have these workers. If your workers are too intelligent as a collective they run away. So you lose. So that's that whole key. And then worker placement is that you want to keep generating more workers to have more ability to have more actions and so on and so forth. So um, pardon me. Yes. In this game, 
you are a faction in a dystopic society and you are trying to, uh, uh, like every good Euro, trying to get a whole bunch of victory points. And uh, you do so by this clever balance of, of, uh, of um, dominance in a certain faction, triggering certain events, collecting resources. These resources turn into different abilities that have this kind of commingling effect with these three dominant, uh, uh, sorry, four dominant uh, faction areas on the board. Um, and why I like this game so much is that that whole idea of your workers get too smart and they go away, they run away. And then you have to go either uh, go to the clone bin and either bring back a shock one in to existence or give them a nice water bath into existence. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my first uh, uh, honorable mention. My other one is uh, climbing fast fast up the charts for me um invaders are coming from everywhere keep the faith and defend your homeland what do you think that is paladins of the west kingdom paladins of the west kingdom um uh shem phillips in that whole west kingdom series probably uh for my and i'm i'm new into the shem area uh this is a heavy deep crunchy worker placement euro figure stuff out synergistically connected uh i i'm not going to go too much too on about this um because it's just you know an honorable mention but paladins of the west kingdom my number five cutting straight to the chase um here's the shtick befriend helpful townsfolk get your guns out and stake your claim in this city oh carson city it is carson city Okay, I'm interested in this one because I've never played it and I'm I'm curious about it. This Carson City, um, you are uh, basically townsfolk that are building up Carson City. And with your workers, your little cowboys, you basically go out Kalis style on this road um, of, uh, of worker placement selection spots to get tiles, to get powers, to get you know, all these resources to help build this city that will synergistically connect itself to score points, to score uh, advantages. And like every good Euro, it's all about victory points. So um, why I like this game is that you get to have shootouts. It's one of the, the worker placement games because typically before, like like Ian had mentioned, everybody can go. If you're the first, sometimes you get a bonus. If you're second, sometimes you get a little bit of bonus. And if you're last, you get nothing. In this game, you go in and now it's a, a shootout, right? It's like it's like a, it's the gunfight in uh, high noon on Main Street. And uh, now the best part is, because I hate when you lose a turn or when, when you lose something, um, you don't, you lose the fight, but you don't lose the worker. It'll go, the worker comes back to you that it's a delayed, I guess, um, benefit. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, I think there's always that threat of, well, I'm going here and you watch next to you. There's a person who's been collecting bullets and it's like, he's the only reason why you're collecting bullets because you're going to be a thug. So you, you, there's that, there's that pressure all the time. So yeah, I, I and it's the map. The building, the city building, everything I love about it. So, yeah, Carson City. Are you ready, Brian? Get your list ready? Okay, I think so. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure. So they, they're, 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 they're joking because when I was kind of going through my collection here, 
if there's a if there's a, a type of game that I'm probably drawn to, it's probably worker placement because I have I counted it up here. Actually, I have 17 worker placement games in my in my collection. So obviously I'm really drawn towards this. It is one of my favorite mechanisms um, overall. And some of my favorite games of all time um, include worker placement. So I, I but I was trying to select my games. Um, Based off the actions, we're talking about worker, but uh, which ones incorporate that worker placement best? Um, so like games that are not on going to be on my list, they classify them as worker placement. I agree that they have worker placement elements, but it's yeah. not the core. So yeah. things like key flower and underwater cities have worker placement aspects, but I don't think those are the main. It's not the dominant. It's not the dominant thing. It's more like in Keyflower, it's that auctioning right. thing, I think is the more yeah. key part. And then the Underwater Cities is the, the synergy of the cards. Engine type building, thing. yeah. So the, the first one that I'm going to do is my, my number five is going to be a game that I absolutely love and adore, and that's Russian Railroads. Yeah. It's a very, it's a yeah. pure um, worker placement game, as in there are, Actions out on the board that are available to everybody. The better actions uh, require more workers, like usually often two workers. And you get the, the benefit, but now because you have a limited supply of workers and there's only a couple of opportunities to gain, let's say, an extra one worker here or one mm. worker there. I think you have an opportunity to claim up to an extra two workers throughout the whole game. It's pretty frugal. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of plan that out. And this one also is, it's the, it's the comboing of trying to figure out, okay, which tracks am I going to occur? Because most of the actions are going to be, Hey, I'm going to get to lay down some track onto my, on the various different railroads and trying to figure out, or, or you can progress the industry and all of the actions. It's very limited. Like, like, like Ian said, there's only, um, if I'm trying to remember, I, Oh, I'm not going to give a number because I'm, Somebody else is going to come out and say, that's not how many numbers are actions are, but it's very limited in actions that you can select from an early game. It's very limited because you don't have access to do some sort of other actions until you've actually taken some other things or progressed on certain tracks um, beforehand. Um, so Rish, Russian railroads. And then also that one also gives you the opportunity to recruit engineers that give you your own personal worker placement spot. That's only available to you in the game amongst all the other ones, but you can have the opportunities of getting your own worker placement spots over the course of the game, which I always find is really, really quite cool and, and intriguing when, when games incorporate that aspect. Not only is there this big shared action spaces, but you can also create your own um, cool. spots. So Russian Railroads, I'm firmly plan- planting that one at my number five. Right on. I played that once and I destroyed you and I've retired. <laughs> <laughs> Ian did find a good combo and exploited it much like innovation. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be able to do. Okay. What's next, man. All right. So the next one I'm going to talk about, see, I'm trying to do this strategically. I'm thinking about which ones you guys will bring up and then I don't have to bring them up. (laughs) We can talk about them then. That's about efficiency. You you put your list out there for us to see. That's right. We kept our secret. Uh, I've got, let's, you know what, let's do this one next. So I would say once you do stone age, if you will start looking for something more complex, the next big one that people love to talk about in this category is Agricola. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Agricola is 
a farming game. So you are a subsistence farmer, basically living day to day. And it kind of turns all of the key elements of a worker placement and turns it up to 11. And so in Stone Age, you have to pay your work, you have to feed your workers every turn, or you have to get, make sure everybody has food at the end of the turn. And I mean, you have to, you have to manage that. With Agricola, you have to feed your workers every turn. And it is way tougher than Agricola. <laughs> like it is, it is a struggle to make sure you've got the right amount of food to feed them. In Stone Age, you just go to the shack and get a kid. And then eventually that kid is a new worker. Agricola has got the same thing. But basically with Agricola, you're a family. You start with two workers and you have to get kids in order to be other, have other workers. But, oh, you have to make sure you have room in your house for them. So make sure that you add an addition to your house before you go get the, before you can have another kid. And then, you, oh, you want another kid. And so it's not easy to get new workers in this game. You can do it and you should do it, but it, it ain't easy. No. And there's, I feel like there's way more competition for the spots in Agricola. So the cool thing with Agricola is that every turn you get a new card flipped up, which is a new action spot. And so the, you're going to get more variety as the game goes, yeah. which is really cool. But somehow it still stays competitive, oh. probably because people are getting more workers and going yeah. for those higher places and it gets tough. So if you want to be a cow farmer, there might only be one space there where you can get yeah. cows and other everyone else is going to want it too. I mean, the game expands in the choices, but it still stays tight. It does. Yeah. It's a very tight game. So you have either two to five workers that you can choose from. You have a number of actions that are always there in every game. Yeah. And then you've got actions that come up in different orders. Yeah. And every turn you add a new action to it. And so that's kind of what it does differently. Um it's still pretty straightforward as far as the worker placement goes, but the way that it's done is just a really tight, tense game. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge from right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Cool. All right. Well, um, uh, my number four, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that phrase. Manage your workers to help usher in a new era of culture and progress in this city. Um, now you just described every worker placement game. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, it is Brussels, eighteen ninety three. Okay, I would yeah, I guess that. I don't know that game. Um, uh, we we played this when we went to Meeplecon. Um, this is uh, by Etienne. Esperman, uh, published by Pearl Games. Uh, it is so basically, you are 
uh, um, uh, sort of like a, an artist in the uh, Brussels, 1893, on the era of this new art movement. And it is, pro as far as without getting deep into it, it, it is your, your typical worker placement where there's a lot of action selection. But um, as Ryan had mentioned too, that, that there's some games that have worker placement, but aren't necessarily worker placement games. This to me is a worker placement game that has an area control aspect that has a uh, um, uh, area, you know, area influence aspect that has, so there's, but, uh, and there's a, there's a, uh, um, uh, an art market that you can speculation market that you can manipulate to gain resources. So it, it has all of the same functionality as a worker placement in regards to these choices but I like what this game, I think why I like this game the most is how these choices also have secondary impact to the game. As I said, uh, when you're going uh, on the right side of the board, when you're going to, to select cards, that there's, there's a uh, um, kind of an auction or uh, a column success mechanism. There's an area control mechanism. There's all these things that are interrelated to that worker placement action. And, uh, yeah, that's that's and the art is fantastic. I absolutely love this era of art. So that is uh, Brussels, eighteen ninety three. Right on. Okay, yeah. my number four um, was my introduction to the to the Shem Phillips lineup of games, and that's uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you brought this one up because I wanted to bring it up too. So yeah. So and and this one was the one, um, and I think it's the only one in my collection that does this type of worker placement where you don't have a pool of workers and you don't gain any more workers. You only just have just one worker at any given time, and you put them on the board, take an action. And now you have to pull back another worker that's already on the board. And then you get to take that action of the actions you pulled off that worker from. And now that's going to be your worker again for the next round. So at any given time, you only ever just have just the one worker. And there's a plethora of different types of actions, again, but limited in the, in the very beginning because you can't really go out onto the board and do those raidings or raids mm -hmm. and pillages until um, you, kind of, you kind of have to stick up. around. You yeah. have to kind of stick around the, the main board of just, you know, trading to get some food, get some money, hire some crew. You got to kind of cycle around those actions until you're ready to go out onto the board. And then you have to take the worker placement spots to actually go and do the raids and the pillages and stuff like that. So Raiders of the North Sea, I thought it was a very interesting game. Um, I'm not sure too many other games that, that kind of do that style. I think it's pretty of, of, of worker yeah, of worker really. placement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Raiders of North Sea is, is by far one of my favorites. So it's sitting at my number four. Cool. And I like it that it has that hierarchy of of workers as well, where there's three right. different yes. colors, and then depending on which color of worker you're using, the action you take could be better or not, oh, depending cool. on where you put them out. And then there's a version of that Raiders of Scythia, is there not? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to know anything about that one. <laughs> <laughs> this one's just as good as it is. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a really good choice. I, when I was making my definition, I almost made the caveat that there has you have to have more than one worker. And then I remembered Raiders, and I'm like, okay, 
I we can't because Raiders is definitely yeah. a rigor placement, so I yeah. can't make that. Cool. Yeah, um, definitely one of the unique, more unique ones. Mm-hmm. All right, Ian, what's up next? Okay, you're setting I'm the pace. I love this to pace. Go to Village next. Uh, I have so never played this one. Village is cool. an interesting worker placement. It's it's mostly set out very similar. You've got a bunch of action spots. You're going to try to collect resources so you can use them in different places. You've got places where you can score points, where you can uh, get money and all that kind of stuff. So all the fundamentals are there. But what makes Village different is that your workers can die. Yeah. <laughs> And there's so it's got this rate. Uh, absolutely. And so there's this time track that you have and certain actions are not only going to cost you resources or money, they're also going to cost you the time it takes to do it. And so you have to spend that many amount of time. And once you cross a certain threshold, well, that means that one of your workers has to get killed off. Now the spaces that you can put them on you can leave your workers there for a long time. So for example, you can go to a space just to get resources or you can leave somebody there, spend the time to train them and then they're there making those resources for you every time you want to go back there. Cool. Which is a pretty neat idea. But eventually they're going to die and you're going to have to figure out which of your people are going to have to come off the board and not be used anymore. And your workers are set in generations. So you start with first generation workers and they are the ones that have to die first. And then you've got, you go down to your second and then third and then fourth generation. So they have to die in order and where you have them and when you kill them off is actually very strategic because there's basically they can become legends, right? If they die in the the right way. And so if they're dying in a farming accident, well, only two people from this village are going to be remembered for dying in a farming accident. And so you lore. Yeah. yeah, So you want to be one of those people. So maybe you want to kill off the person on your farm, or maybe you want to kill them off while they're out traveling and they're the famous traveler that never returned. And so that's kind of a really cool idea too, is who gets, who gets the ax every, every time you go on that time track. Cool. So it's a neat way to kind of rotate through your workers as well. That's, and that's new of all the suggestions. That's another new aspect. Uh, All right. My number three, Um, here it comes. You ready? With an ice age approaching, which animals will best propagate, migrate and adapt? dominant species i didn't even think of this one yeah now uh dominant species you are an animal uh one of eight i think choices without going into it uh that uh yeah you basically get a, a unique aspect that you have as an animal and uh it's basically a recipe list of worker placement spots that you uh, put out on the board. And I believe everybody has a, a certain amount uh, depending on the, the uh, amount of people playing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's propagate, migrate, adapt, and, and be dominant because those event cards at the end of the round are game-changing brutal. And a lot of people say, oh, they're just, it's you know, too, too much you know, game-changing, you know, um, and a lot of complaints about that, but in my head, I'm thinking, what do you mean? You're looking right at them. You can see what's coming down the barrel. 
you need to make a, a, a ultimate choice of, do you want to be the first ones to those cards and control whatever devastation is going to come? Or do you just want to be able to, you know, Muhammad Ali and bounce off the ropes and, and, you know, bring, bring your devastation. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, adapt, migrate, change. Um, there's just so many different ways that you can go about this game. And it is, I mean, I, I've, I've ventured away from the take that games, but this is the exception. This game is absolutely wonderful. Even when you're on the losing side, it is such an crazy experience. So that's mine. Dominant species. I don't know why I don't see this as a worker placement game because it is like you've got the action pawns and you've got to live. Yeah, everything is yeah. there. For some reason, I don't see it as one. And maybe it's because the main board is actually not where you take the actions. Maybe, maybe this, that's why. I don't maybe know. Maybe this one is that that one that's verging just on the edge of action uh, action placement or action selection. But you're blocking people from taking the actions, right? Like you, you are doing uh, Not necessarily blocking the hierarchy. They can still come in and take it, but you get to go first in that subcategory of, you know, propagation, migration. There's, like yeah. I said, it's a recipe, you know, level one, let's go from left to right, level two, left to right. So everybody has the same decision-making ability. It's just, where are your priorities? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, good one. So that's that's why I like that game is because sometimes my priority is absolutely wrong, and I should never be in charge of a species. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do you got? Okay, my number three is my only dice worker placement game. So the I, I have a few of these, um, but the one that I went with that I think captures the worker placement aspect um, the best out of them is Voyages of Marco Polo slash Voyages of Marco Polo 2. Okay, good. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't have it on my list, but I wanted I wanted, <laughs> wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Voyages of Marco Polo was one of my favorite games for for quite a for quite a while. And so I, I like the aspect that it you're taking your actions and they're they're symbolized by the dice. Now I can't remember exactly what the thematic thing of the dice um are, but they allow you to take certain actions and you can only take certain actions if you have certain values. And you can also spend some resources to recruit some more dice workers. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, Voyages of Marco Polo just checks off all the right boxes. Um, you have to go exploring across the map mm -hmm. to get that other aspect that I really enjoy. You get that actions um, that action space that's available to you if you're able to travel to that location um, other players can come along too and get um, come to that uh, location as well and also have access to that one but if you get there first you can obviously exploit it first um, there's the blocking like if I come to a certain location um, now you have to uh, spend more money if you want to take that action you have to actually spend more money in order to take that action um, as well. So it's not necessarily blocking, but it's going to cost other players to, um, it's going to be more expensive for other players to do. And then there's levels of action spots. Like there's spots that require, require one dice. Yeah. Some spots require yeah. two dice. Some yeah. spots require three dice um, type of deal. And yeah. And then this game, the, the focal point is the worker placement. There's also the, the, the variable player powers that are yeah. in, in, in play that allow you to modify or f play around with your dice. 
I like the cost benefit of this of that game. Yeah, the economy of this game is the at least the original Marco Polo. The economy is very tight. You have to be very um, strategic with mm-hmm. what you're going to be spending your money on, what you're going to be spending your resources on. Um, so yeah, uh, the other dice sports replacement games that I have that uh, aren't on this list, like um, uh, Norm mentioned Euphoria. I, I like Euphoria as a as a worker placement game. Um, as a dice worker placement game, I think just Voyages Marco Polo does it a little better because you're more worried about the values. The values affect the actual actions. Yeah. Um, I have Circadian's First Light. I have um, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Um, all of those ones use dice as as their as their workers in some form or another. But I like I like Voyages of Marco Polo. Cool. At my number three. Right on. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is that your workers are not always that same at the same level which is a neat idea right Mm -hmm. sort of like what we talked about with raiders in the north sea you've got three different levels but in this one you have well six different levels right depending on the dice roll and they change all the time you never know exactly what they're going to be so that's a very interesting aspect of the idea now one here i should have maybe pointed out is um there is teotuhuacan (laughs) i to try to pronounce it right here um (laughs) But you're you're kind of going along a rondelle, but the every action spots. But you're using your your dice or your workers. But every time that you take an action with them, they level up. So you just kind of change. If it's one, now it changes to a two, and so they kind of level up and do better actions along the end. Um, that's one that I didn't actually think about. I don't know where it would rank amongst mine, but that was another one that honorable uses mention. Dice. It's an honorable mention. Yeah, it uses dice in an interesting way for the worker placement. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, oh, I'm not really sure which one to talk about. Do any of you have any yes. Pinot Noir coming yes. up on your list? Okay, anyway, I will yeah, not yeah, yeah. talk about yes. that one then. Yes. <laughs> then let's uh, let's mention Kalis. Because Kalis is kind of commonly considered one of the first big worker placement games. Obviously not the first. Yeah. No, nothing can ever claim to be the first of anything, yeah. I don't think. But it's the one that made it popular, right? It's the one that said, hey, check this out, this new way How of we're doing, doing it. Out. Yeah. And then people took that and ran with it. Uh, Kalis, it has all kind of the aspects there. You've got certain spaces, you've got certain amounts of players you have to send there. But it's also got a lot of room for growth. And you can buy buildings that basically you add to the road and add new spots that everybody can go to. And there's a little bit of personalization where you can own some of the spots that you're work that anybody's working can go there, but they got to pay you to go to their spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pretty similar to uh, what's we just talked about mentioned it earlier lords of Waterdeep, right lords of Waterdeep kind of does the same idea where you can get building you can make buildings right yeah and put them on the board uh and so that's that would be a very good introduction to kalis yeah but kalis is a little bit heavier it's harder it's more difficult to do the things you want to do and it's meaner mm-hmm. because oh, <laughs> there's certain yeah. things in the game you've got provost so people yeah. can move the provost around which and can basically cancel your Actions. yeah That's cancel brutal. your actions yeah. so you don't get to do what what you set your workers to do so i don't know that it's anything different than what we've been talking about but it is one of the first ones out there and it kind of kind of set the table You've for mentioned. everything we're talking about so cool 
And Great. it is still a very fun game. Well, my number two, um, I'm going to tell you the designer because the, the little flavor text can pretty much describe every Euro. Uh, it's a Rosenberg game and uh, establish a supply chain by collecting resources, building industries and shipping. Oh, Le Havre. Le Havre. Um, in Le Havre, you are, yeah, an entrepreneur who's basically trying to start making these, like you're out of port. So you're going to try and get resources coming in, trying to get uh, conversion supply chains going. Um, you're trying to build your own tableau of industry, uh, worker uh, placement areas uh, that are unique to you, but also available to everybody else. But if they come to yours, they got to pay you some rent. Um, this one, why I like this game so much is that you, there's, you have w one worker, you have one disc, that's, but you have the whole board to make as a choice. And I think Rosenberg started expanding this idea of give them lots of choices, Feast for Odin. And um, so what you it's just so straightforward. Sometimes the docks, which have a constant flow of supplies that come in and sit on the docks, you can go to the docks and maybe pick up some free supplies. Or you could take this worker and go to a building and start converting these resources, start... Uh, um, advancing and and uh, uh, thresholding your tableau because it comes down to that ability to it's it's a port and how do you make good money in a port you ship and how do you ship you need large cargo vessels to haul lots of stuff to make you lots of victory points um so yeah i just this is still one of my favorite rosenberg games is la Havre. yeah this is another one where i don't see it necessarily as a worker placement and maybe that's just maybe that's just because it is just one worker so i don't it doesn't yeah. really uh but that's very much like what you said with raiders right you have just right. one thing but the 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 that pebble in the pond effect right how it just starts to ripple and and okay. i think the longer you play the more impact this ripple has yeah, so well, yeah. is a great game yeah ryan what you got for number two Okay, I'm, I was going back and forth for number two here. Um, but the one that I have to go with, just because my number one is my number one worker placement game. Um, the next one is going to be Zolkin the Mayan Calendar. And so Zolkin- talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm next anyway. So let's just, I'm just going to say right now, my number one game is Zolkin. So let's talk yeah. about it together. Right? Uh, yeah, you guys, there you go. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So so Zolkin the Mayan calendar is that I love the fact that it, a time is a resource in this game where you are going to place your work. You can place, well, you can place as many of your workers down as possible as long as you can pay the cost. But it, there is some strategy in being able to place your workers down on those gears and just letting them sit there. And kind of progress through the turns until you get to like say some of the stronger, better actions. When you can finally take the worker off to take the action, I find that you don't get the action, you don't get the benefit immediately putting the worker down. It's, it's an when investment. You, it's when you finally get to take the worker cool. off the board um, to to finally take the action. I find that is very intriguing. This one requires lots of forethought and planning of where are you going to place your workers? When are you going to take them off? 
Like I can set down a worker, let him sit, and I can just take actions with other workers while that other one just kind of just keeps going a little bit. And it's got that feeding of your workers as well. Cause then there's the, there's the penalties if you're not able to feed your workers. And the other players right. must be watching this thing just grow and being concerned with it. <laughs> or you just watch everybody's got their, or everybody's got their own different strategy. True uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. Ian's letting that guy grow on the, the crystal skull track. Cause I know that eventually he's going to get a crystal skull and he's going to score like the big points at the end because he's just letting that guy just go all the way down to the end there. Cool. Yeah. But then that's a worker you're not using for that many turns. So right. it's definitely some give and take there. And, and, and Ian, yeah, the, you said the, this is your number one, right? It is. It's, and it, like Ryan said, it's that planning out, it's figuring out how long do you want your workers to stay there? And then, when can you take them off? But you also have, you have the idea that you have to do something on a turn. So you might come to this situation where all your workers are out, but it's now your turn and you have to do something. So you got to take at least one of them off. Mm-hmm. And so which one are you going to sacrifice doing the less good thing with so that the others can keep doing what they're doing? I think it's hard to manage your resources. If you go corn poor, you're in trouble. You want to you want to keep your on top of your corn so you can keep paying for everybody. What I find interesting is it has the same aspects. Like you, there's spots. There is actually there's only one spot where you can get more workers. But unlike Agricola or Stone Age, where that is definitely something you want to do is get as many workers as you can. It's not as necessary with Zulkin. No. Like if, if you don't get any more workers than what you start with, you're probably okay because getting those workers is pretty tough and you, you gotta you gotta okay. spend the time to do it. Because I've never played this game before and I'm soaking this up. And I'm this is my interpretation. You guys tell me if I'm off here, because we're we're saying that every worker placement has its own angle. Is this one where worker placement meets engine efficiency? I think where you, so. Where you're saying this, I'm going to invest this one in long-term, you know, payout, but these ones I need for that short-term turnover because you have to have that balanced turnover with that balanced long-term right. investment, right? Yeah, so that's what I have stuff coming in. This one is it, it's, it's your worker placement. It's a efficiency engine that you're trying to balance out here. Yeah. 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 And it I even has a little play tech track too. Yeah. It's cool. It's a very, very good implementation of worker placement. Right on. So that's your number one. I'm Ryan's number two and my number one. Yep. Um, now my, and I didn't say this before, but I'll just kind of caveat this. Um, all of my selections are, are games from my collection. So I'm not going to dispute the fact that I need to play the, you know, Tolkien, but uh, my number one, let's read that. <laughs> I think Ian knows this one already. Um Create the most prestigious prestigious winery in Italy from the Tuscan vineyards you've inherited. Um, that would be viticulture. Come on, yeah. Oh, I thought I thought it was going to be Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> the Thunderbird edition. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, viticulture. You basically are a family that's starting a a, a vineyard in the Tuscan region. I'm not as far as theme goes. I'm not a huge wine guy, right? Um, wine's wet, right? There, there you go. Um, there's my there's there's my wine knowledge. No, I'm joking. Um, no, but as far as as far as the theme goes, I mean, I'm current. I get I get it. But I think what 
I like the most about this game is that it is the the most finely tuned balance of the worker placement worker placement mechanism and the theme. Um, I think that the way that the seasons are balanced, I think that the way that the cards are balanced, um, that everything, as far as the cog and the meshing of that, that mechanism and theme that we always talk about in games, right? Euros have no theme, right? This is a nice, brilliant, and I mean, we can use the metaphor of viticulture. It's a properly aged, balanced meeting of these two. Um, that I have never played a bad game of viticulture. Now I have the Essentials Tuscany edition. I have like all the levers and dials turned on and turned up. And um, I, yeah, this to me is the quintessential fine-tuned Italian Porsche 911 engine of worker placements is viticulture. So. And as far as the worker placement goes, I think it does a couple of different things. First, the idea of the seasons is really neat, yeah. where you have first, you have these action spots that are available, and then you can move your workers to these yeah. action spots, which are available. And that progression is pretty cool. And, the, and then I it's love, got that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And then it's got that idea of the big worker, the grande, the grande. Worker, yeah. that can force his way into a spot that's already taken. But he doesn't get any cool. bonuses, though. But right. that's his privilege is to nudge his way in. Yeah. Right. So if yeah. there's a spot you really need, and the, but it's taken up, you can still force your way in there once. And it has all the elements of worker plays. That's like you can, you know, send them to school and get more workers. You can. Right. There's yeah. uh, be the first there to get a big bonus. Right. Um, th yeah. The uh, just uh, it's just the elegance of the balance of all these things working together. And everybody can approach this gameplay from such a different strategic point of view that everything is valid. Mm -hmm. Like your Costco wine in a bag. <laughs> it's just <laughs> oh, I just love that strategy. All right. So, yeah, that's my number one. I'm I'm anticipating yeah, hearing Ryan. Yep. So it was interesting that you mentioned that, like, the, you're, you're for you, it's the viticulture is that meshing of the theme and with, with, with the Euro mechanisms. And mine is probably my most thematic worker placement game, and that's Anachrony. Oh, that's it's by far my favorite number one worker place. It's got everything that you know about worker placement, um, except for when you're, would you have your workers? is that your workers all have their own specialties. There's the geniuses, there's the scientists, there's the administrators, there are the uh, grunt workers. They all have their own classification and they're all good at doing a certain thing. Now, most of them can go out and do all of the actions. But let's just say you want to take the mining action. Well, the scientists can take a mining action, but you're going to get more out of that mining action if you send your, say, your, um, your, your, your grunt worker. Now, if you're going to want to train more workers, obviously you want your administrators to do that. They're going to do that better for you. So there's that aspect that I really enjoy that everybody can do anything, but you're going to be better based on their classifications. There's also the fact that your workers can get tired. So when you use them, they kind of go into this tired pool and you have to kind of, and you have to take these certain actions to, to motivate them again. And to motivate them, 
It's going to cost some resources. It's going to cost you something. And if you're able to motivate more workers, the, the, the better you're going to score some points for that. There's also these gigantic spots out on the board where you have to actually power up a mech suit and you get to place your worker inside of a mech suit and he can go out into that barren wasteland that this, that this world has been absolutely just destroyed by this um, or going to be destroyed by this asteroid. And it's a very barren wasteland. You have to go inside a mech suit to take some of these um, more public spots. And then also there's also the abilities to build up your own tableau of your own spots. You can b- construct buildings, like your engineers can build buildings. And now those kind of create your own little worker placement spots that now your engineers, your geniuses, your administrators mm-hmm. can use to kind of like work inside your own headquarters. But eventually you do have to go out into the world where all the other people are competing over those resource spots as well. And it also has that spot where, you know, like Ian says, there's the one where everybody can go to just to get a little bit of something, just so that you are not locked out, um, not locked out specifically on your turn. And you start with like a certain amount of workers. And like I said, you can go and you can just train more workers like by the end of the game, and then the more workers you have, the more actions you're going to be able to take. And you're going to need to want to take a lot of actions by the time this game is ending. Because this game also has that aspect of, it's not necessarily worker placement, but um, you have a goal that you have to meet by the end of the game or else you can't score any points. Like if you do not meet Uh your own personal goal by having a certain amount of resources or meeting or done some certain tasks throughout the game, you're not going to be able to score any points. And I thought that was always a really interesting aspect of this, but it's all pure worker placement of all these different types of levels of workers. Right on. Yeah. I've not played that one before. So that, that intrigues me because it's. And right pretty, now it's sitting in a gigantic coffin yo. On, on top of my shelf because I got the infinity box upgrade, which is a box that's very much larger and heavier than Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's a steamer trunk. Cool. Well, that was I mean, as far as all the games we talked about, I'm I'm fired up to play some worker placement. Um, it is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of good uh, good talk on a lot of good games. So yeah, because we didn't even get to mention a lot of the games. Feast no. for is a great worker placement game. It's not yeah. on my list though. But. Well, hopefully that starts the 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 research process for a lot of people that they start to kind of click in and you know, keep clicking and clicking and following certain designers. But um, that being said, uh, we're going to wrap this up and say thank you so much for listening to us. Um, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. You stay classy, San Diego. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.